Greetings from the off-world kingdom. That is Siam. Siam, I am, I am. Welcome to the NeuroSpicy podcast with your boy Rocco, King Size Muscle, local 666269.com, and of course the NeuroSpicyPodcast.com. How spicy are we? Well, we're getting there. Especially now that we are in Siam, home of what we like to call devil dicks. Uh, Actually, they're bird's eye chilies. That's what makes Thai food spicy. Woo! Actually, not super high on the Schofield scale, but just enough to make your life exciting, especially in large amounts. Uh, and sometimes, if you're not careful, you will get extra spicy food. So it's been a few days since I landed and uh, trying to get settled in and caught up on things that are going on. And it's been a trip. It's always a trip, right? Just getting here was pretty <laughs> tumultuous in every sense of the word down to the last minute of packing, which of course I didn't bring too many t-shirts, but plenty of underwear. Well, that's always a good thing. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I was having somewhat, if it was a panic attack or response to chronic pain, I couldn't really catch my breath as I was sort of doing things last minute in the house. And... Um, Yeah, I think it was just having a really hard time with mobility that was just wearing me out. One of the things that happens with this particular injury of mine is the fact that it um, causes the glutes to sort of flex and lock. So it's like an isometric hold in my buttocks as I'm trying to walk around and do something. And so takes a lot more effort to get things done and I think it just rocked me um, viciously uh, my significant former she came by to to take me to the airport she says I'm here I said well you got to give me about 10 minutes because I just couldn't get it together and I ended up getting so sick uh, to my stomach and <laughs> I, can, I let it let it go I vomited all over my bathtub unfortunately and you know i've been on this frozen blueberry kick so you can imagine you know it was like the stand by me pie eating contest episode and it was it was voluminous unfortunately and and, and i actually feel kind of stupid telling you this but if i'm not honest with you about these things i mean who else am i really going to express it to and say, wow, I'm not sure what the fuck was going on with my body that day, but it was tough. It was tough. Um, anyway, I got 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 everything evacuated from my stomach or whatever else, and got to the airport, and uh, I had my roller with me, so that always gets me a little bit of extra leeway um, as far as getting some help um, to get on the plane and, you know, getting checked in. I mean, I always go early enough to make sure that I'm not sort of a last-minute sort of person at the airport 
nothing worse than being that that kind of person. Um, I mean, sometimes it can't be helped, but it's it's a good idea to give yourself plenty of time so you don't stress yourself out. So anyway, we got all checked in, and uh, I don't think there was anything particularly strange about the flight per se. Um, went down to San Francisco, and then I had to go across the terminal in San Francisco, and that that was brutal. <laughs> I was still kind of out of it, and uh, I had to sit down a few times. And I mean, I, f- I just felt ancient, like, oh my God, am I going to survive this, this experience? It was... Uh, it definitely put some doubt in my mind, like, oh my God, what have I done? But again, anything worth doing is, is going to be risky. It's going to require an element of risk, a uh, leap of faith. And so that's where I'm at with that aspect of it. So I just kept going and just did the best I could under the circumstances. Um, obviously, I'm feeling much better now, um, but it did, took me about a day or so. The, the flight itself from... San Francisco to Narita actually started off pretty interesting. Um, there was some British guy that lives in Japan or whatever else that was pissed off at this couple and their kids because they didn't have their masks on yet, you know, because you, you have to have your mask when you're on the plane. But essentially they said, well, as soon as you sit down, put your mask on, right? And so, of course, this guy wanted to fucking carry it out. And the other guy uh, wasn't really having it too much. And I just said, hey, guys, we're all flying the same place. Let's just compromise. Give this guy a chance to settle with his family. He's going to put on his mask. And the British guy was like, well, I don't want any germs. I'm like, dude, we're stuck in a tin can, all right? Just cool yourself. And so they kind of chilled out. I was just like, don't fuck up my flight after all this bullshit I've been through. You know what I mean? And then it turned out the guy that uh, the family guy ended up sitting next to me turned out to be uh, a Laowai, an old hand. He'd been in China for quite a while with his family, and they were sort of in the similar situation, which is, of course, the pandemic pushed them out. And they were on their way to Singapore to uh, do some teaching and so forth. A nice guy, you know, kind of a, a tent making missionary sort of kind of guy, you know. But. Not in a way that's annoying and so forth, so I can appreciate that. I mean, you know, different strokes, different folks. If you can accept my palava, no problem. So I appreciate that. Anyway, the English guy, he kind of settled down. Um, You know, I suggested that if he didn't, I'd end up kicking his fucking seat all the way to Japan. So um, he didn't like that aspect. I said, just relax, dude. (laughs) Oh, people are funny. So uh, we talked for a little bit, and then um, I took an Ambien, which I never do. Um, ever since uh, Frank and his <laughs> Ambien flip-outs overnight, as an old buddy of mine, he was hooked on Ambien, and then he'd get up in the middle of the night, and that's one of those uh, Ambien sleepwalking-style uh, you know, tales of you know, making barbecue and, and waffles and all kinds of shit, not realizing you're doing it and so on. Um, if you can go online, you can read some of these Ambium stories, and it's hilarious what sometimes people get into. So I've always been leery of it, but, you know, I had one. I said, okay, fine. So uh, I took that, and I don't think I'll ever fly across the, the world or off world again without it because I was out and I was already exhausted anyway because I didn't have much sleep and then 
all the physical exertion anyway, but yeah, it was uh, restful and restorative. And I woke up a few times, you know, because they, they wake you up to give you some kind of snack or food or something at a different time. I was flying with Anna, which is always great because they go above and beyond with service. Um, I was co-chair with United, so that was cool. And the thing about Anna, again, is like they have quality stuff. I mean, obviously, it's very Japanese, but no problem for a guy like me. I appreciate that kind of stuff. So let's see, uh, land in Bangkok, um, immigration actually was a breeze. I was quite surprised. Um, I had my vaccination card, and, and they wanted to see my older passport, which I didn't bring. I thought about it, but I just didn't bring it, which I'm kind of glad I didn't. So um, asked me how long I wanted to stay. So, you know, as Americans, we get 30 days. And I said, well, 30 days, and then I'll go on to Malaysia. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'll probably get another visa, but they don't have to know too much about that stuff. As long as you have the ability to not overstay your visa, um, you'll probably be okay. I know some people do it. Some people just overstay, and when they get ready to leave, they just have the, the 20000 bot um, fine, ready to go. Um, that happened to a guy that I knew uh, last time I was here, and he'd been overstayed for, geez, I think like two years or something. And so finally he got the money together, and when he got ready to leave, he just paid the fines. It was very apologetic. Well, for a long time, that was the Russian method of, of <laughs> skating your visa. But uh, I think that's not great because you can get blackballed from the country, so I don't recommend it. Anyway, the immigration was, was light. It was probably, what, I don't know, 1030 at night. Uh, it was only two or three deep, and of course, they put me in the special lane because, again, I had the roller. And uh, you have to have you have to have a, a PCR rapid antigen test to get on the plane. So I went through all that rigmarole like the day before, and and that was a pain in the ass. But I, I had it, and so there they, they didn't really care. They just wanted to make sure I was vaccinated. And so okay, bon, done. Uh, get my luggage, uh, load it up on the cart, I'm on the rolly, and uh, head downstairs to the first floor to grab a taxi. I grabbed one of the larger ones because I had uh, a couple of uh, bags. And um, it's a hotel I never stayed at before. I kind of knew the location, but so we had to go back and forth a little bit. And then finally, I put it in the, the, the Thai GPS, and then they got it. And uh, got me down to the hospital, and it was, I mean, hospital, it felt like a hospital. Got me down to the hotel, which was not really easy to get into. And there was uh, some fuck up with Priceline and the transfer of the reservation. And, you know, they want me to pay for the room. I'm like, I already paid for it, the package. You know, it's one of those things. And so you just try to keep calm, and I try to get, get through to Priceline and figure out what's going on. I just didn't want to pay twice. Um, I, did, I did get some... Um, bought at the airport i usually just get enough to get into the city you know depending if i take a taxi or whatever else you know just a, a thousand or so um because the exchange rate at the airport's usually shit um and so it's better to get your money elsewhere but anyhow um so i went back and forth finally i was just tired it was hot and the place smelled like very suey uh you know like sewer gas and i'm kind of noticing that everywhere and, and, and I think that's probably something to do with um, 
having like no tourism or things being sort of down, I mean, it feels like low season still, um, despite Thailand being open for everybody right now. Um, there's still a lot of places that are closed down. A lot of things are shuttered up. So it, they're, they're not swinging yet. But um, hopefully it will happen eventually for them because they definitely need it. So, yeah, the, the place didn't smell very good. And I've noticed that in a few other places as well. And I'm, I'm thinking probably the drains just haven't been used like they were in the past. I don't know. Maybe it's the summertime. It's uh, a bit swampy. And I said, okay, fine. I'll just pay the, I'll just pay. Here's the money. Just let me go to my room. Then I did. I gave him like 2,000 baht. And uh, went upstairs and uh, his windowless room, which is okay. The room was actually pretty nice. Um, and I, you know, took a shower. I mean, my clothes were just soaked. I haven't, haven't showered like in 24 hours. It's, it's brutal. It's brutal to do it. And I never understand how people um, come over here with like their kids, their children. Uh, we used to joke about that quite often. If you know, if you bring your kids to Thailand, well, fuck you, because it's a hard trip to make. You know, it's a long time flying, and you'd see these poor, you know, little kids in their strollers, whatever else. I mean, just like hot and red and cranky and fussy and everything else. I mean, we were on a plane one time, and there's about three or four of them. And they were just squalling and hollering and everything else. It was so bad. We landed in uh, Samui because it was a transfer from Bangkok to Samui. And they put you on these little adventure train uh, trolleys to go from the airport, I mean, from the from the plane to the airport. And it's an open-air airport. It's, you know, it's really cute. It's done sort of like in tribal thatch roofs and so forth. And the birds fly through there. And it's just a really pleasant place. So when you land there, it's like, you know, as soon as you get on the trolley, you know, that you're, you're basically on holiday at this point, or you're at least you're well on your way to enjoying your life in the island of Koh Samui. So uh, this poor lady from England with this toddler who, again, was just, just, just absolutely miserable, just so red in the face from crying, I mean, just tired, exhausted, ah! He can't help but feel bad. So she starts to panic because her husband's not on the trolley. And uh, I leaned over. And she said, have you seen my husband? And I said, oh, yeah. You mean that guy that was running down the runway there, kind of throwing things off to the side? And uh, <laughs> my wife at the time, like, elbowed me. She's like, don't say that. And my wife lady got kind of panicked, you know. But I could see that guy just, like, fucking booking it down. Like, what the fuck have I done, you know? But, you know, I'm just being silly. Anyhow, she got a little bit manic panic, but of course he was on another trolley, so it all worked out. My point is, is that I understand that people have children and they like to include them in their lives. And, and I used to travel a lot when I was younger, mostly domestic, but to travel internationally with your children, unless you're doing it for, you know, long term or something like that, you really have to consider it. And, and I think a lot of people don't. I think a lot of people are a bit naive about the process and uh, don't realize like how tough it really is. Granted, coming here is a lot easier than going to some other places for sure, but it's still not um, seamless. There's always going to be 
little bumps in the road because of the distance, um, because of the uh, culture and the infrastructure and all these different issues that can affect that aspect of it. So uh, that's why the ongoing joke has always been if you bring your children to Thailand, well, fuck you. Here's the other. All right. Want to double check this? There we go. But um, okay. Oh, I settled into the room for the night. Jeez, uh, did I get anything to eat? Maybe I did. I don't. If I did, I went next door to Seven Eleven and just got like probably protein and uh, the usual pineapple fruit pie. Um, that's kind of one of my vices. Oh, that and strawberry Fanta. Beesh. I don't think I had that that night, but I had it yesterday. So I've got to watch out for that because uh, it's just too easy to, to get into sometimes. Next day, uh, I booked a car through a car service that I use uh, when I'm in Thailand. It's called, believe it or not, it's called Cherry Car or Cherry Taxi. And uh, usually they send out someone who's pretty savvy. They sent a guy named Audi uh, uh, who took care of me and a little Nissan. And uh, I can't remember the price. It was about 1,200 baht, I think, from from Bangkok to Pattaya. So let's see, five bucks is about 200 baht. So uh, six times about 30 bucks. Uh, there's cheaper ways to go, obviously, but because I had the luggage and the rolly, and I'm not not moving around so well I took the car and they brought me here which is totally under construction the whole place is just like being tore up and redone and everything else and so I'm on Soy Bukau which is a place I've never really stayed before but I had friends that stayed here before and they liked it and so no sooner do you, you finally roll into Soy Bukau is it's, it's all full of like the the new cannabis cafes um, and so there's just a whole series of them and you can smell it people are people are enjoying themselves and uh, definitely it's changed the vibe a bit um, it hasn't totally kicked off but <clears throat> people seem to be interested in, in going to these places and that's good so hopefully it'll add to uh, their tourism in the future Get checked in the hotel. Um, let's see, now it's kind of like late afternoon to get set up. I think I probably had a, a lecture to do, so I did that um, for the evening. Jeez, um, I don't know. What did I must have done something, right? Why am I here telling you this? This is not very spicy. I'm so sorry. Uh, I did. I did go down to Walking Street. Um, to see what was left over because that's like you know kind of a high traffic area and again it's it's you can tell it's not full swing there's a lot of indians right now a lot of pakistani right now um, i've been in Pattaya before when it's been like that sometimes it has to do with the economy sometimes it has to do with um, availability of uh, tourism and so forth so the crowd itself was not very diverse like it used to be and, uh, yeah, you know, the clubs are kind of hit and miss as far as what's open. I didn't really go down very far. I just went to this place where I could, 
kind of sit on the outside and, and have uh, some Japanese curry with uh, watermelon juice. I like Japanese curry. It's a bit different than the regular curry. So, yeah, I just hung out and kind of did some people watching. I mean, that's one of the things I love here is, is people watching. Uh, even if it's not very diverse, it's still somewhat interesting to see uh, sort of the human nature in action uh, in a semi-predatory, <laughs> um, exploitive sense, I guess. Uh, it seems to be a strange sort of dance that is very superficial. Uh, maybe that's why I appreciate it, because it's a bit campy, I suppose. Uh, when you see uh, people up and down Walking Street, um, you know, between the hustlers and the players and whatever else, you know, it's primarily, you know, it's what it is. It's a, it's a hunt for, for some people. Um, girls are hunting for the dudes and dudes are hunting for the girls. And, of course, not all of them are girls. <laughs> some of them are katoys or ladyboys. And that's even funnier, I think, for me sometimes when I see some of these guys like from the Middle East or whatever else that don't really know a lot about women, but <laughs> all over the ladyboys, I'm like, you just don't have a lot of experience, I'm thinking, or that's kind of really what they want. So, okay, perhaps for them it's, it's less of a haram, I suppose, than having an affair with another woman. I don't know. I just never understood it, but that's as spicy as it gets for those guys, I suppose. <clears throat> uh, the next day, um, hooked up with uh, Dr. Tony Huge and um, did a little bit of content on TRT therapy here in Pattaya because I've got to switch over um, my TRT situation because I'm out of the States, make sure that my prescription is the way it is. So we talked about a couple different options and so forth and did some, some content on that. The other aspect was um, one of his minions, Cat Lady, was having a party over on Soy 6 and where she works as a cashier. And so the staff and everybody was there, including uh, a couple of guys from Holland that run the, run the place. So, you know, my my saludos to El Duchos uh, continues always, so it's pretty nice to make quick contact because of that, and I always appreciate that, so uh, it's nice to meet good people. And we had fun, we just, you know, drank soda water and kind of reminisced about some things that have been going on and thinking about... Uh, things that will go on in the future, plans for content and so on. And, of course, uh, you know, everybody's having a good time out of hand. And, you know, after a while it gets kind of noisy, so you just, like, call it a night. So, sure enough, came back and did that. Um, I had a motorbike taxi man take me. Um, I was a, a little bit, still a little bit fuzzy. Um, some... Apparently, cannabis is legal here, and I think the mushrooms are going to be next, but despite that, um, they seem to be everywhere. And so, I was, uh, I was feeling pretty good. Um, I noticed when I left 
jumped him and it should take about 10 minutes. It took me about an hour. <laughs> I got lost, though. I got lost a lot uh, a couple of times uh, on the motorbike um, that I rented. And so in the evening, I made sure to have a driver. I never used to like that too much, riding bitch on the moto, but you know, those guys are actually like acrobats. I mean, you know, it's like having a giant bear on the back of a 125, right? And so, uh, you know, the guy himself doesn't weigh anything, but they're, they're real, real bullfighters. And they go through traffic in a way like you can't believe it. Uh, I try not to emulate that too much on my own because they have the experience of reading the road better than we do. And you've got to be really careful with hazards here. I mean, motorbike accidents for foreigners, as far as injury and death, is really high. Um, people get overconfident. Uh, people don't wear helmets. Uh, people basically drink and drive, which is a terrible thing to do. And now I think they probably get high and drive as well. So I'm super cautious about that. To me, it, it's, you know, it's like a 60-bot uh, ride. You know, it's like whatever, two bucks to have somebody drive you someplace. And again, you know, I don't really worry about, you know, riding bitch anymore uh, on the back. It used to, I just never used to be full confident about it, but I've done it so much now. I'm just, I mean, I'm barely hanging on by my ass cheeks, um, which is strange for me because normally I'm super nervous in the service, but uh, I'm feeling pretty relaxed these days. You can probably tell by my voice too. Um, I think between losing weight and following through with this adventure um, has made a difference for me. I'm still concerned about the heavy breathing, of course, so I've got more weight to lose and definitely need to improve my uh, VO2 and cardio stamina. I could tell I, I just don't have it like I had it before, and that's just from lack of fucking training, man. And I gotta tell you, I cannot take the foot off the gas at this point any longer. Every time I, I take a break or slow down or fuck it off, it's so much harder to get started again. Uh, even though, luckily for me, um, weight is coming off, but you know, it's it's enhanced weight loss in the sense that you know there's an uh, enhanced metabolic profile that's being sort of you know tweaked a little bit to make the weight loss happen and so i still have to maintain other aspects of that to make sure that um it will stay that way even if there is no more enhancement um so that's something i have to be cautious about as well as uh, essentially that's what happened before i took down 100 pounds and put it right back on again uh, and so now I'm coming back down again, um, getting pretty close to about 80 pounds total. So, uh, you know, about 20 pounds away from a, from a goal. And then I just have to set another goal. I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can do. Even taking off this much weight, I still feel like a dump truck, you know. Um, and I can tell the older I get, the more, <laughs> the more sort of flabby I'm getting as well, which is not... Not really conducive to being very self-confident, but, you know, I am in my 50s, and I, I do have to take that into consideration, but uh, I think you should rage, rage into the dawn, right, as long as you can, so I'm going to try to do that as well to make sure that my quality of life hopefully is improved. 
I would say that being here is uh, within within 24 hours, like the, the psychic stress that I felt in America was already evaporated. I don't know if that's, you can, I can call conspiracy people whatever you want about the chemtrails or 5G and all that other horse shit. I don't know. I just, I can tell you, I just felt much more um, relaxed. I mean, just, just at peace. Not being saturated with uh, Senator Josh Hawley and transphobia and all the damn fucking shootings and, you know, all the shit that we just get in, in, inundated and embarded with daily in America that keeps us in a constant state of fear, which makes us really good consumers. Because now I'm here and I don't really give a shit. Even my my footprint on social media has shrunk already. Um, I'm already kind of bored with some of the content that... I found very entertaining previously. Um, it just doesn't seem applicable at this moment. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. And then that's probably going to lead to maybe some sporadic posting on my part. I would like to produce a lot more sort of spicy content and so on, but I feel like I just want to chill. <laughs> I just want to enjoy sort of, sort of the moment of the of the victory here of being off world and uh, following through on something that I wanted to do for quite a while and was not able to do, mostly because of you know the pandemic. There was a couple other windows to get in here, but it would have been much more difficult. So I'm glad that the country's open, and I would encourage anybody else that needs a mental break. Um, it's hot as balls, so be prepared for that. Um, but it takes a it takes a little while to get acclimated. You know, once you've been here for a couple of weeks, it, you definitely don't feel it as much as you do in the beginning. I've noticed that before in my adventures down here. When I've come to stay or lived, you know, the first few weeks, I just sweat. And then after a while, your your body finally gets adjusted. Otherwise, it's uh, it's pleasant. People are pleasant. I think um, people are sort of happy that some of the tourism is coming back. That some of the the places are open now, and so that's a positive thing. The last time I I came here, sort of directly, was after the bombing of the Erewhon Shrine there in Bangkok. And uh, I figured the best way I could support uh, Thailand, which has always been very good to me, the same as some other countries, is to, uh, you know, come over and support them because the tour, I mean, it, it knocked tourism down to like nothing instantly because people get scared. And uh, the first thing I did was fly into Bangkok and go to the Erewhon Shrine. I wanted to to contribute to the to the um, to the supporting of the city and the people and so on because it's not something that happens here very often. Um, people th said it was risky. I said, "Well, that's the way it goes." It's no different than than the time I flew to Malaysia after. <laughs> 
the the plane disappeared, and I, the flight the next day was, I think, on April first. We we're flying out of Guangzhou on Malaysia Airlines, and I thought, well, what are the odds of that happening again? World according to Garp. So I mean, that's kind of how I look at things, and I, I know it's a weird way to do that. But when you're neurodivergent, what's weird? Especially if you accept being neurodivergent and being neurospicy, baby. Then you get to kind of write your own fucking rules for a change. You don't have to worry so much about the neurotypical world. As it stands right now, I'm going to be coming off of Adderall. Um... Cerebral didn't have a really good solution for me for being international, uh, aside from rationing it, which <laughs> I think it was useful. And so I'm not too worried because every time I've come to Asia, there's enough sort of daily stimulation for dopamine and serotonin uh, between culture shock and um, language barriers and everything else like that. Uh, so I'm not really concerned about it. My I might be feeling a little bit sluggish, but I can't imagine at 20 milligrams. I, I didn't really push it too much. Uh, I was hoping to get more executive function out of it. Um, and so there's some other things I probably should do to make that happen. But in the meantime, eh, let's take a break, you know. So I'll get a chance to detox from that and uh, probably later same thing for the deloxetine um, I would suggest is probably a good idea for myself and, and again it's one of these things that it's a decision that, that I make that I know comes with an element of risk and again I think the reward will be worth it um, I think the less <laughs> The less sort of pharmaceutical stuff in my system, probably the better. And I know that's sort of counterintuitive to an, an enhanced lifestyle. But even that, after a while, only can go so far um, for so long. And so you try to not so much look for sustainable models for physical and mental optimization, but regenerative models. So what sort of regenerative activities or regenerative nutrition can I use in my body to continue to regenerate my life? So that's what I'm thinking about at this moment. And apparently it's a clear uh, pork soup <laughs> with tofu is my new thing. Um, I couldn't get any Sam Tom today, but that's okay. I can still go out and get some if I'd like. Um, but I might call it early night because I got an early morning. So we'll see how that works out. I appreciate you. I hope you appreciate yourself. If not, take a moment to appreciate yourself. Seriously. Just take a moment. And think about all the shit you've gone through. And yet here you are with me. And I with you in this moment. We've survived. We've made it this far. This is the checkpoint in the Stargate. <laughs> Whether your Stargate is still there in North America or in Europe or for myself in Asia, 
wherever you are in this point of the galactic roaming of this planet and the mass of stars that we get to see now with the new telescope stuff, um, you know, be humbled in the sense that uh, we're good. We are. We are. We're good. You know, we're not perfect, and nor do we have to be, and we're filled with flaws and other mistakes. You know, sometimes our spice is too spicy for some people, and for other people, maybe not spicy enough. But we just got to be spicy enough for ourselves. So I hope that you find the self-acceptance that I have, have found. And if it means fucking off all the way to Thailand to make it happen, then so be it. With that being said, I hope to see you soon. Take care.